and put up a little video, and it wasn't a video for open doors, but this is just a far appreciates laughter. Hi, I got a sense of humour here, and uh, this is just a little preempt. Uh, you may be able to guess what I'm going to speak on with this, but just let's watch us because sometimes carrying a stretcher isn't as easy as you think. You guys are coarse, eh? That was the mild version. I was saying it was more coarser than that, but I uh, went for a milder version. But, and uh, I'll go on this in a second. Turn your Bible to Luke chapter 5. Because this is a story about a man and a stretcher, a paralytic and a stretcher. And we can read this and think, ah, it's simple enough. I was four lads carrying his friend on a stretcher. But when you look at that, it was maybe not so easy as you think. And the title of this message is Wrap the Roof Off. It speaks to me a lot about unity, about coming together, as David and the Kenfit was speaking on, but we're speaking about brothers and sisters. We're speaking about helping other people. And I was... In a sense, I was maybe going to skip past this miracle because it's a lot like the centurion. He stood in a gap and he walked the walk for his son that couldn't walk the walk. And in a sense, this is exact same. But in another sense, this is deeper because this speaks about people coming together. So it's just though the Holy Spirit was just trying to teach the church fair is to come together for the sake of them that are in need. So we'll just kind of read a few verses. For verse 17, one day, many Jewish religious leaders known as Pharisees, along with many religious scholars, came from every village of Galilee, throughout Judea, and even from Jerusalem to hear Jesus teach. The power of the Lord God surged through him to instantly heal some men came to Jesus, carrying a paraplegic man on a stretcher. 
They attempted to bring in past the crowd to sit him down in front of Jesus. But because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. They crawled onto the roof, dug their way through the roof tiles, lowered the man, stretcher and all, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Let's regard the beauty of unity. Isn't it great and blessed when men, women, young people, old people come together in unity? The psalm says it's like the anointing that was coming off of Aaron's beard on his face. There's an anointing when people come together for the sake of other people and are directed towards Jesus. Unity. I'm not saying that's because the church has gone through disunity, but we need to regard unity as one of the greatest gifts within a fellowship. The Apostle Paul went to great lengths of reading his letter to Philippi yesterday and just blessing the church there for standing with him in unity. He was in prison, but the church had supported him financially, and he's seen them as true people A unity. I'll get on that in a second. But sometimes it's not so easy as it sounds just to pick a guy up in a stretcher and go to a place. Sometimes unity is not so easy as it sounds, but it's to be regarded as important. Now, there's some lot different reasons how fellowships fall into disunity. Sometimes it's doctrinal, sometimes it's different relationships, sometimes it's leadership stuff. But here's four guys that are willing to work together to get people to Jesus. You can that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine, and God's heart is that his garden, and his church would grow and be a blessing to him. Before I get on to this, speaking on unity, there are foundational truths that we all must agree on if we're going to follow Jesus in unity. Jesus is Lord. He is Savior. No one comes to the Father except through Him. He's not one Savior amongst many. He is the one. He is the Son of God, born through the Virgin Mary, the Virgin birth. He is the only forgiver of sin. He's the only one that can save us, and His name is Jesus. By him and through him, all things were made. He is the name above every other name, and at his name, every knee under heaven will bow before him. So there's foundational truth, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But there's other things that uh, are open for interpretation, let's say, in the Christian's life. It's when the other things become the main things that stuff happens in disunity. As long as we keep focused on the Lord, keep focused on His heart, and keep moving towards Him, disunity is not a problem. But let's put our finger on a couple of things just, just to have a bit of fun. Because when these things become the main things, and I have found myself that 
decisions as you go through your Christian life, some things are set in stone, other things you can change through five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of following the Lord. Some things that you held fast at the start, there's not always certain things that you held fast at the end. Fan here would be bold enough to confess that their theology and doctrine and everything is 100% true. Anybody that you would say, I can everything there is to ken about the Bible and every thought and idea that I have to do with Christian doctrine and lifestyle is 100% true. Nobody. So then you must confess that some things are open to debate. We put our finger on a few things. You don't want my ideas, do you? Because some of the things, when those things become the main things, disunity comes in. In terms of alcohol usage, relationships, God's will for healing, Christians' hand tattoos. It's a funny name, isn't it? Once saved, always saved. Or do you need to be faithful to the end to be saved? The debate between God selecting you for for salvation and you selecting God. A Christian listening to non-Christian music and going to non-Christian concerts. Stuff are these things that we need to navigate through our Christian life. And you have confessed that even your ideas on are these things might never be 100% True, well, I hear our opinion. But dinna raise your hands because it will start a riot. <laughs> you might even want to show it with your face. But a room of size, we will hear a variety of different opinions about these things, won't we? There's one person will say, hey, in a social drink, Alcohol is completely fine, and I've no problem with it. In fact, Jesus himself said, did he not? The son of man came eating and drinking, yet they call him greedy and a drunkard. He didn't say they were lying, so there's scriptures to back each of these things up. But one person would say, that's completely fine. We can, that we shouldn't get drunk. We can, we shouldn't have far our seats and make complete spectacles of ourselves and lose our minds. We alcohol abuse, but ah, one or two glasses of wine. Of course, that's okay. You should have seen me last night. <laughs> Glass or two of wine or a steak dinner, if it's a problem. We can, we shouldn't have date if we're in the company of people that have struggled with alcohol addiction. That would be silly. And so there are some people in here that would say, that's for a man. Amen, brother. Next spring and share, we've got to give it the The vintage stuff. But there will be others in here that says, I have never touched any alcohol. We should be sober-minded in all things. And in fact, we have seen too much problems in society with alcohol. So really, in the Lord's eyes, we shouldn't have... Go near it. And that's okay. Christians hand tattoos. Some of you are like, I'm already off in my third 
I'm saving up for number four. It answers who I am. And I got a problem with that. To make ourselves look a bit better than you maybe think you already look. But some Christians would be like, no, nah, man. No way. God has made you beautiful. He makes all things beautiful in no time. You kind of add to God's beauty in your life. Indian Western money trying to add to God's beauty in your life. The very same person that's probably saying that is still wearing makeup. <laughs> probably still dyed her hair. Spends a fortune in a beauty therapist, but still. It's navigating these different things. Secular music, non-Christian music. Because one person in here would say, no, I appreciate God's creative hand through Christian music as well as non-Christian music, vice versa. When I hear somebody's heart, and it's usually about love, we can that some music is completely satanic. But others, it's just beautiful harmonies and sounds, and actually it enhances your spiritualness in the way you see God in creation. <clears throat> but other people in here would certainly agree with your view on that. They would say, no, we should fill ourselves only with Jesus glorifying music. Music was made to glorify the Father. Let's not get sidetracked. The song in your heart is for the Lord. It's worship. It should declare His holiness, His majesty, His reverence, His wonder. Music's for Him. So far as right and far as wrong. Because God must have an idea of far as right and far as wrong. Here's what I think. Um, I'm not going to tell you what I think on every point. Because all that annoys me is, I think you've just to journey through life, mark your own mind up, honor the Lord in the way you see it, be guided by the Holy Spirit, and realize the main thing, the main thing, will always be Jesus as Savior. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is wonderful. Yet he allows us to go through this life and read this word of God. And in the thing already worked out for us. The Apostle Paul says, why should my freedom be judged by another man's conscience? And you see that in the Christian life that some people's consciences allows them to live a certain way that other people's consciences doesn't allow them to live. And it's wrong for me to put my conscience onto you and say, well, this is how you should live. This is the doctrine of the church. You better far in line, boy, or you'll never mark it here. And there's freedom. Get freedom. But when these things I have mentioned becomes the main thing, you're like that guy is trying to laugh people on a stretcher, pulling in different directions. And we've already confessed that we might be wrong about some things. 
But yeah, Jesus doesn't had opened this theologies and doctrines we attached. He allows us the freedom to go through this life, knowing that we'll get some things right, knowing that we'll get some things wrong. And we see that this people, this guys, got together to lift their chum to Jesus. And sometimes a picture of the church that should look like that, that unity should, should come together for the sake of other people. Sometimes it looks like the guys in the football field because we've got our theories, we've got our debates, and instead of working together, we work against each other when it could be one person moving in one direction saying, well, I didn't agree with you on that point, so let's not just work together, let's debate as for a distance. A beautiful picture of church unity is these guys that heard about Jesus and heard that he was healing and heard that he was savior and they could walk but they recognized that there was somebody that was lost that couldn't walk and they says, let's come together. Let's pray together as a church for the sake of him and for the sake of us getting to Jesus. They didn't debate. They didn't get anything so stupid with theologies before working together. They says, let's go. Let's pick him up. A wonderful picture of church unity is when people with different theologies on certain things will come together. So you might hear Jim on one corner. I really doesn't believe the Christians should hear a tattoo. And you've got Bob in another corner, clattered in tattoos, picking his next thing. And the other corner, you've got Sally that's been teetotal and was baptized at the age of six, and she's never touched a drop of drink, and she still would say that that is the why that she will live till the day she dies, boy. And she's in one corner. And Lucy's in the other corner and she takes a social drink with her steak and chips. But yet none of it really matters. What matters is for the sick or the lost, for the crippled, for the beggar, for the hurting, they will work together. And they'll pack somebody up together. And they'll do ministry together. And they'll do life together. And they'll walk into church together. And they'll sit beside each other together. And they'll pray together. And they'll come to the prayer meeting together. And they'll do the kids' work together. And they'll take the youth of one with cans together. Because the can and nothing really matters but following Jesus and taking people to Him. And church, we need to always remember the most important thing is these guys knew, let's get to Jesus, let's go together, let's lift other people with us, people that kind of manage, you can fast suffers, when we mark, if it's near the main thing, the main thing, you can fast suffers, it's a paralytic, it's a lost, it's a people lying in a mark without a hope. 
we always think we're right. But as we debate stuff, there's lost people going to hell. If I could take this image a bit further, lying in a mark without hope, looking at people debate stuff that doesn't really matter. Fit with this, uh, get your act together, guys. I need to get to Jesus. But while you guys are debating stuff, I need to walk. I need to get to the healer. I need to get to the Savior. I need to get to the miracle worker. And I'm not saying either that you didn't have an opinion about anything, because opinions are good. We didn't want house churches to be full of people if we'd say, look, what do you think on that? We don't want people to turn around and say, oh, we think nothing. You tell us what to think. You want to engage your brains, be mature Christians and say, well, that's just what I think. Before I feel, before I read in the Word of God, we just didn't market the main thing. Husbands, have you ever got, or wives, have you ever got an appointment to be somewhere at a particular time, but before you leave, you hear a disagreement in the house? <laughs> Could be our own thing. It doesn't need to be our doctrine. Just something happens and you have to be at some place at some time. And what you say is, we will work our suit on the why. We've just got to get out at a certain time. The time is waiting for no man. If it's a dentist, you have to go, you have to be at a certain It's a prayer meeting, I want to start. If ever has happened in the house, it still say, I've got to get out. We'll sort it out on a why. And as a church, we need to can some things. You have to sort out on a why. But it cannot stop you from moving. We've started getting the car away to there. And we'll sort stuff out. We'll answer questions. We're willing to work with each other on smart points. As long as we keep before us that we want to be a church that encounters Jesus, that he is Savior, and we will work together. Other stuff can be sorted out on the way. Let's read together Philippians chapter 2. This is Paul for prison. It says us, look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled to overflowing with his comfort in love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, united in one love. Walk together. Like the four guys that came for the guy that couldn't walk. Walk together 
with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with abounding joy. Be free. Maybe you need to free yourself from pride-filled opinions. They will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. Consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Moving with one heart, one passion. He says, didn't I be too much thinking of yourself opinions, too much? Because you may be wrong, but keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the important thing the important thing. Working together as one towards Jesus, seeing the lost being saved. And so, that sounds easier than it is. They attempted to bring him past the crowd to set him down in front of Jesus. But because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. How easy it would have been to stop, isn't it? That video showed that it's not that easy with I can how far they traveled, but they traveled. And they took this guy that couldn't move, and they got together. And they go all the way to the door. And he'd seen, hold on, there's so much people here, we can't get in. They would have found a reasonable excuse then to stop and say, well, they all fault. We've did what we could. And I turn to the guy and says, well, it's just near your day. We've did everything we could. But persevering faith always gets a solution. They even thought, there were people crowding around, Jesus, skeptics, Pharisees, these guys. I just get a picture of these guys, and they've came so far. So we're not giving up yet. We see the problem, but I see a solution, and it's in the high place. And you know, can the weight of this guy, this might have been a big guy, but the four of them was like, let's keep going. Up on that roof, there's stairs towards the roof, picking him up. The only thing that matters is that we get this guy to Jesus. And we encounter him and his love and his grace and his, his mercy because we have heard he's got a solution to this guy's problem. We love this guy. Let's go for it. And you can imagine them walking up on the roof, there's bumps up the steps, there's great difficulty. Their arms are starting to feel weak. Their sweat coming off their brow. It would have been easier to stop. Yet they keep going. And they get onto that roof. And yet they've got another problem. That there's tiles on the roof. And they've got... How did they cope with that? Well, guys... It's time to rip this roof apart. We've came so far. 
But until I see my Savior, we need to keep going. For the sake of this guy, we need to keep going. Tile by tile. And you imagine the tar in their hands and scrape their hands. We need people like that in our lives that will carry us through the difficultest moments, that will get their hands dirty, somebody that will rip this roof apart just to see you saved. And in your life that there is people depending on you to keep going, to let nothing hinder you, to be unstoppable, to be courageous. We carry with us a responsibility. There's kids, there's relatives. Sometimes you think, Jesus, I could just give up. Oh, before sin became an issue in my life, I just did what I wanted. Now I've got a conscience of do's and don'ts and I get wrapped up and I make mistakes, yet I'm still here on the roof to keep going. I've let people down. I've had my failures. I've had fantastic successes. I've had my mountaintop experiences, but I've been in the valley. This might have been a great week, might have been a terrible week, but you have come here to keep going. Hallelujah. Because you realize that if you give up, that there might be people left on mats that will continue to be left on mats if you give up. Is that the truth? You don't always feel like coming here. You don't always feel like going to house church. But I'm very aware. If I throw in the towel, come down for the roof, say I've had enough. Christianity got too difficult. Navigating all these stuff got too difficult. The battle got too difficult. If I come down for the roof, and far remains lost. It might have got saved if I just kept going through the difficult times, persevering faith. Oh, my family, pray for them. We're coming to prayer meetings and pray for our unsaved family. What will happen to them if I just say, as a Christian, I'm just going to stop because it got too messy. My hands got too sour. I got too disappointed. I got too offended. I forgot what the main thing was. And the main thing is that you just keep on going. You keep wrapping that roof through the difficulties, through the pain, through the grief, through the hardship. Oh, it would have been easier to stand at the door and throw excuses and reasonable excuses and unreasonable excuses. It would have been easy to stand at the door and say, I just can't date Jesus. There's a crowd. I can't get through. So let's just be disappointed. It would have been easier to do that. But this guy says, come on. Come on, church. Let's keep going. There is people that depend on us to have an encounter with Jesus. We are saved. We're going to heaven. We're okay. But let's come. Let's keep going. The work is not done. 
Let's hear the persevering hearts that these men had. Could you imagine if this place was packed out? And then you start to hear knocking on the roof. You start to hear somebody with a pickaxe. Bang! I mean, this guy's disrupted a pretty good meeting. It says that the presence of the Lord was already out to heal. Stuff was on the floor. The worship band was doing a decent job. Jesus was there. Could you imagine during that time, if I'm preaching well, and the church is packed out, that you just start hearing commotion through the roof? Bang, bang, bang. What is going on? Then you start to see a big hole in the roof. Like, what are you doing, man? It cost us a fortune to get that roof up, roof up to scratch. Let that window's in. And this was the days before insurance companies. People must have thought, what are they doing? Come on. What are you doing, man? And Jesus could have said, you may use the door like everybody else. Or could you may just wait until the service was finished I would have came out this house eventually. But Jesus admired these guys. A persevering faith Unity, one tile at a time. Maybe you feel like giving up, people. You feel like giving up on fellowship. You feel like giving up on life. You just keep going, one tile at a time. The mess sometimes comes before the miracle. Sometimes a shrieking comes before the miracle. Oh, a church that would move in unity. Miracles and salvations now a problem. It happens. Sometimes there's a battle. Because the enemy is real and the enemy can sense. Hold on a minute. There's a company of people being raised up and they're keeping the main thing, the main thing. They've gone fed up with religious tittle-tattle. As they want to daze encounter Jesus and to see people safe and the enemy starts hearing stuff like that. He starts sending little foxes to destroy the vine. But these guys got through the mess to the Messiah. Faith gets there in the end. It perseveres through dark nights of the soul. It gets through past the junk, other illusions and delusions, and they just want to see Jesus. They had no idea the response they would get from the seeing Jesus. I'm just going to read us for what I've finished in just a short time. Lord, this Lord, the man, stretcher and all, how did they do it? It just faith gets a solution. While other people might be murmuring and getting discouraged, faith will find a solution and keep going until they encounter Jesus into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus, seeing the demonstration of their faith. 
Some people would have just seen a mess, a carry-on. But Jesus seen their faith and said to the paraplegic man, my friend, your sins are forgiven. Radical forgiveness. Did I get too carried away by us and make a theology on it? But what good doctrine would say this, for this guy to be forgiven, he would have had to fight the feet of Jesus and confess his sins and ask Jesus to forgive him. But yet Jesus seen the faith of the men and said to the man, friend, son, and Matthew, it says that he recorded it. Jesus says to him, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. That's not what he came for. He came because he had a problem with his legs. But within that man, there was a sick, sick soul, a disturbed heart. Sometimes we want Jesus to do one thing, but he'll do another thing. Your sins are forgiven. Be of good cheer. Hallelujah. You think if I get all the external life, the stuff in life, if I get all that sorted, then I'll be of good cheer. But your problem is maybe inside. And Jesus knew what the problem was, so he bypassed for he, the guy really wanted. I'm going to deal with your heart. I'm going to do some heart surgery before we go on any further. Your sins are forgiven. Fucking rejoice in this one truth. My sins are forgiven. Externally, it might be a mess. I might want healing in some areas, but I didn't seem it. You might want a better job, a better marriage. You might want your kids better behaved and you cry out to Jesus for other externities, and he may well do that. But Jesus can also bypass all that and go to your heart and your sin and your shame and say, be a good cheer. Then I just be a good cheer because I can sort out some physical stuff. Be a good cheer because your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for forgiveness of sins. I just wanted to be free of drugs. There's a lot of people free of drugs. That's why I came to Jesus. If you can help me stop doing this, I'm for you. But there's a lot of people free of drugs that are still lost. And Jesus bypasses all that and says, I need to deal with your heart, with your sin. I need to deal with you as a person. If I didn't deal with that, might not end well. Be a good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. I wonder if the paraplegic felt at that point. He didn't come for that. Maybe he felt a release of peace go through him and thought, wow, this is what I'm here for. It didn't really matter about being able to walk near me. But Jesus was also dealing with the room. I'll end with us. The Jewish religious leaders, I've got to tell you the rest of the story. Because persevering faith is always worth it. You think it's not worth it. You think, why do you keep coming here? I'm getting no answers to prayer. Why do I persevere? 
Why do I keep going through this mess to get to Jesus every single week? I've got a bottle when I pick up my Bible. But why do I keep turning up? Because persevering faith, it's always worth it. Always worth it. And he says, the Jewish religious leaders and the religious scholars whispered objections amongst themselves. Who does this man think he is to speak such blasphemy? Only God can forgive sins. Does he think he is God? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, says to them, why do you argue in your hearts over what I do and think that is blasphemy for to say his sins are forgiven? Let me ask you, which is easier to prove when I say your sins are forgiven? Or when I say stand up, carry your stretcher and walk? Our thing's easy for Jesus, really. What Jesus is saying there is, he could have left that guy with forgiven sins. The crowd didn't believe him because this was an inward miracle. And Jesus is saying, I could leave this an inward miracle. If it's easier to say, it's easy for me to say your sins are forgiven, but nobody in the room can really see that. But to deal with the unbelief in the room, Jesus turned to the paraplegic man and says, to prove to you all that I, the Son of Man, have the lawful authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, now, stand up, carry your stretcher, and go on home, for you are healed. Jesus wasn't just dealing with a man, he was dealing with a hell room. So I could say to this guy, your sins are forgiven. That's easy. It's also easy for him to heal a person. But so that you all may know, and no doubt, God is a God of miracles, and it's him that sits here. Stand up. Pick up your mat. And walk. Instantly. Interesting to me, far we're at as a church, that we have went through a series, a small series, and we're not finished yet on miracles. With each miracle we have looked at from a spiritual perspective, haven't we? If you've been here, we spoke about salvation. We haven't just says God can defeat this here, let's pray for that particular thing. We are realigning ourselves with the main thing. Your sins are forgiven. But it's also interesting that a few weeks ago, people came for physical healing and testified of physical healing. Now, I believe if we keep the main thing, the main thing, and didn't veer off, it's just about physical healing. I think we're going to see more healings physically. Because we're coming into spiritual maturity, which says, God healed your leg. That's a sign that he can forgive your sins. And if you miss that sign, fits it off for. Because your legs will go weary again. But God does miracles to show that he is Savior and Lord. And then I miss that miracle. So if God heals on a thing or shows you on a sign of his goodness, 
his greatness, his wonder, it needs to lead you into a faith that says he is Savior and Lord. He can forgive your sins. Criminal. If God heals you or something and you do not get saved, like fit. Am I telling the is this true? Because you will, body will decay again, but your soul will go on forever. Let's realign and continue to realign ourselves as a church. Let's encounter Jesus. Let's work together. Let's see people saved. And I believe if we'd be a church that would go for that, that Jesus will also deal with the skepticism, if there is, in the room by healing some people, hallelujah, by seeing some people rise up, pick up their mat and go him, by delivering people, not just because God is love and he loves people unconditionally, but sometimes that's how we think healing is. Oh, he's healed you. Why is he healing? Well, because he loves you. Because he's so kind and he doesn't matter about what you do in life. And yeah, he just heals you because he's healer and he loves you. But he heals and he delivers so that everybody may know there's a God that can forgive your sins. They can do an inward miracle. Because if it happens next to us, we really want to see Stand up, carry your stretcher, and walk. Oh, there was a time that this guy was carried about, oh, I carried for one thing to the next. Now this was his time to stand up and walk. Jesus turned to the paraplegic man to prove to you all this was the proof that I, the Son of Man, have the lawful authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you now, stand up, carry your stretcher, go home, you're healed. In an instant, the man rose up before their eyes. He stood, picked up his stretcher, and went home, giving God all the glory with every step he took. And wouldn't you? The people were seized with astonishment and dumbfounded over what they had just witnessed. And they all praised God, remarking over and over and over again, this is incredible. What an unbelievable miracle we have seen today. Beautiful picture of church, isn't it? That we would come together in unity to encounter Jesus. They would get through the mess. We would persevere in faith for the people that cannot go. We would lay doing our right to be right on some issues, but realize that He, Jesus Christ, is Savior and Lord. We will defeat it ticks to get people that don't know him, to him. We will come to the prayer meeting, we will do our house churches, we will pray privately, we'll read the word of God, we'll persevere, even though we don't feel like persevering, and we'll see people amazingly saved. Sins are forgiven, be a good cheer, and pray that God deals with the room by healing bodies. Cancers would go, that depression would go, People would rise up and walk in newness or life, and it would leave just a 
Tell you, you wouldn't even have to get the worship band up. Just let's praise Jesus. We've seen amazing things. Only seen amazing things in the life as a Christian. Let's praise Jesus. Let's just stand. Let's kind of pray a prayer over us. They're going to invite the worship team to come up. Just praise them. We've seen amazing things. Ah, praise God. Jesus. Jesus be glorified. Just ask him to reveal himself to you. Tell him how beautiful he is. Don't I get scared? I need music. I need to be worked up. Come, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. Reveal Christ, the presence of Jesus in our lives. Maybe just want to whisper, thank you, Jesus. Thank him. Be a good cheer. He's saved your soul. If you are saved in here this morning, you've got something to thank him about. He dealt with your biggest problem. Sin. It separated you from knowing Father. And it would have separated you forevermore. And we should stand here without another physical miracle and be a good cheer. Be grateful for the person that told you about Jesus. Be grateful that you heard the message. Grateful that you didn't give up. Be grateful that you responded with favor to the urgency of the Holy Spirit. Be grateful that you are destined to be with him for our eternity. That you were once a hell-deserving sinner. Now you find yourself here in the very presence of Jesus. You may be gone through a trial, but thank him. He forgave your sins. He's the only one that could forgive you. He's the only one that could say, we authority, be a good cheer. For your sins, though they were many, and like scarlet, everyone is forgiven and you stand before God, blameless in his sight, pure and spotless, because everything you did wrong fell on Jesus. And everything he did right fell on you. Holy Spirit, empower your church to be a good cheer. To be a good cheer. I pray for an overflowing sense of joy in this place. Nay, a fake joy. Nay, a phony happiness. But a true God-empowered fruit of the Holy Spirit joy. Our sins are forgiven. A powerful joy. To laugh in the face of giants. In the midst of tragedy. Let it dwell up. Here he comes. Let that dam burst within you. And if you feel like smiling, 
you smile. If you feel like laughing, you laugh. Be a good cheer. You're one with Christ. Be a good cheer. Within you is the hope of glory. Be a good cheer. He promises a new day. His mercies are new every single morning. Be a good cheer. Be a good cheer. Be a good cheer and let your cheer be infectious to a lost and broken world that is looking for something to be cheery about. Be a good cheer. Be a good cheer. Son, daughter, be a good cheer. Holy Spirit, come. Cheer up your church. <laughs> Cheer up your church. Stop us forgetting upset and offended about silly stuff. Stop us forgetting wrapped up in the cares of the world. Be a good cheer, church. Your sins are forgiven. Do you understand? Jesus paid the penalty for you. Be a good cheer. You've come so far. You're at the feet of Jesus. You could have given up. You could have slept in this morning. You could have said, if it's a point not even going. But you came. And you got through that roof. And you wrapped it open. And Jesus is here to say, be a good cheer. More of Jesus. More of Jesus. For each person, let her be more of Jesus. Be a good cheer. Be of good cheer. Take courage. Jesus. I just feel he's doing an inward work. Some of you might feel like running out the door. Let him just get to your soul for a moment. Maybe spent the hell week running for him. Running for your problems and blaming everybody else. Oh, let him do an inner work. And flood your heart with holiness and power and love and grace and kindness. Let them do the inner work. Let the external work take care of itself. Then I leave here without him washing you clean. Hmm, he didn't even have to say sorry. He just had to be here. And Jesus seen the faith. And as we bring this service to a close, oh, such a good sense of your peace, almost a holy hush. We ask that you would deal with the room. You keep healing our bodies, Jesus. Keep healing our minds. To prove to the world that you are a God, we are a solution for sin. 
God, my limb, weak, burdened bodies begin to walk again in the presence of Jesus. May niggly coughs go in the name of Jesus. May annoying headaches go in the name of Jesus. May sleeplessness go in the name of Jesus. Our formal breathing conditions for asthma to go in the name of Jesus. So that everyone would know that you can forgive sins. Our formal mental torments for depression, just clouds of heaviness day by day, terrors of the night and fears would go in the name of Jesus. Oh God, now just so we could say with a good meeting. Now just because you love, you love to see folks saved and made well. And seal it ah, with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Do what needs to be done in our lives so that the lost might be saved. And would you bless us with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit so much that it would just be a continual ream of people being carried in stretchers, spiritual stretchers, physical stretchers, to find rest and comfort and joy and to be of good cheer in the presence of Jesus, and that this place would resound day upon day, week upon week, with the multitudes coming to glory in your name. That's what we want to see, that the fruit of our lips will be found present, Jesus, until you return. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Let's keep working together. For the sake of Jesus and the lost. You we ma? You might not agree with me or nothing. You might have a lot of questions about what we believe. There are certain true foundations of the faith. Jesus is Savior and the Lord. Without him, we're nothing and completely hopeless. But let's come together. Wherever you are, if you're available in morning's evening, it doesn't matter to me, your theology and tattoos or drink. If you want to come here the morning's evening to pray for the lost, that's why we come together. Seven o'clock in the morning. See you there. The Filipino service starts at 2 o'clock. But feel free, dinner, rush, awa, if you need to connect with a few people. God bless you.